Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week, I'll be traveling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. And this week is no different. This is episode 67. I'm going to be chatting with Kate Moore. Some of you may know is uh, my wife. Um, yeah, so we're going to be going for a little walk. And um, so there's, a, there's quite a bit of um, background noise, but hopefully quite enjoyable background noise. You know, the sound of mud and birds and, you know, wind in the trees and that sort of stuff. Uh, very early on in the very first like 10 seconds or so, we're just walking by a little um, waterfall spot. So um persevere through that little first 10 seconds because you might think oh my word this is far too noisy for me um but it it all gets rather rather nice after that first 10 seconds uh yeah we're going to be chatting about veganuary uh, amongst other things so off the back of uh, some of you may have listened to i can't remember which episode it was 65 i think it was uh where i had a chat with amy buxton the editor-in-chief of the vegan review i don't know if it is editor-in-chief that sounds like Something very official, but anyway, she's uh, Amy's the editor of uh, Vegan Review, and um, she she wrote a a very interesting article about veganuary and its its benefits and long term impacts on folks and whether they went vegan as a result and all those kind of things. So we're going to chat about that uh, later on. We chat a little bit about um, the current, uh, I suppose, controversy, if you like, or debate, discussion, whatever you want to call it within the quote-unquote sort of vegan community uh, around uh, the use of language and why, you know, why that's, you know, why it's important um, and, and just give our, our sort of two penneth for what it's worth. So um, if, if you fancy sticking around for that, that's towards the end of the conversation. But um, hopefully you're going out on a nice little walk having a listen to this and... Um, uh, and you know, enjoying some countryside at the same time, bit of bit of nature. So, without further ado, here's a conversation between me and Kate Moore. who've started their vegan journey through veganuary or maybe some people are just interested mm. I suppose the the fear is that it becomes a, a January thing I mean I t- we talked about it in the episode with Amy Buxton a couple of weeks back yeah that uh you know, her her concern was that it's it becomes like a post Christmas, you know, diet. There's something to to kind of help people shed some pounds, and and then they you know they get stuck into the vegan junk foods and all the rest of it, and that it's not sustainable. So I guess it'd be good to have a little chat about about that and whether um, whether we can. You know whether we can help some folks think about 
how to make it sustainable. So, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I do agree with Amy in that I think veganery has become a lot more commercialised. I still agree with it. I still think it's a good movement and a good initiative to get people even just to try some meat alternatives and try and introduce a bit more veg and legumes and grains into their diet and just be a bit healthier. And obviously people are on a bit of a health kick, like you say, post-Christmas, so they intertwine that with more exercise and just getting outside more, especially with the lockdown. People's minds are more towards health and well-being and fitness. I've had quite a few friends who have signed up um, and who are trying it. We're just people that are dabbling, not going full on. People come to me with questions and asking for suggestions for recipes and uh, favourites of certain things and some people still come to me saying I would do it but love chocolate too much would do it but I love cheese and obviously going straight back and going wow this chocolate's brilliant these are my top three kind of favourites if you like dark milk and white I'm not a huge cheese fan anyway but that's where you can get you know just trying to not discourage them if there's just one element that they're not sure about or haven't really looked into much just to try and keep them on on that path really but coming out of it um, it's tricky because I obviously we did it with the help of documentaries and I think I think you covered it with Amy in that people just see this as a bit of a fad for a month and a bit of a challenge rather than maybe looking into it a bit more I don't know if some people might might lead them to look into it a bit more maybe reading things watching things and getting a bit more information that's okay thank you yeah like they see it like a abstinence for a month like a sort it's of a dry, like a dry january, january yeah or, yeah like uh, you know this is a uh, depriving you of things that you yeah it's like it's a diet to a lot of people enjoy. it's dieting for, for for four weeks i think but obviously you can fall into the trap where it's especially with the amount available now which is, which is the problem in a way <laughs> and a good thing too much choice. there's too much choice and a lot of it isn't isn't very healthy a whole foods diet, um, not diet really, a whole food, you know, way of cooking and eating is, is the healthiest you can do and be. But a lot of the, the products that are available for veganery aren't particularly healthy. They're convenience foods and they're very delicious, but they're not to be eaten regularly if you want to sustain it really if you're looking to do it seriously in my opinion that's right it's a kind of a strange mindset really isn't it the, the January thing because you 
Yeah, and you fall into it as somebody who's been vegan for a, for a while. You you want to try everything that's out there. There's all these oh, new. Oh yeah. There's all these it's new not things. As if we avoid it. I've been doing it for three and a half years. <laughs> no, exactly. Oh, almost four. <laughs> Nearly four in June. Four in yeah. A, in uh, May, I think. For oh, me. May for you. I was a little bit later. Um, but yeah, you, you try. You want to try all these things, but the same token, you don't. You don't eat them every day do no, you and, they're not designed uh, for that really no. they're designed for people to companies to make money <laughs> and yeah. also it's like it's, having that is a bit it's like a treat meal it's like having a takeaway or something the sorts of foods you see most of if it does feel like i'm not seeing necessarily enough and it might just be where where i look i always say this but you know Social media is a a bit of a, a a bubble. You don't necessarily see the full picture of things, but I don't necessarily see lots of information to help folks beyond it. I know the Veganuary site obviously does uh, provide that kind of information, but um, when you go into a, your average supermarket, you know there's not really you know, it's not about showing people how to cook or recipe cards or anything like that it's kind of there's a no. there's a vegan aisle or a, a vegan promotional end of a fridge that's full of you know nice treats and stuff but i don't necessarily see you know like those the supermarkets all do those kind of or they used to do those kind of adverts that are like you know trying to encourage people to try a recipe or whatever I don't necessarily see them taking the same tact with veganuary. I see yeah. them sort of saying, buy this burger. Yeah. So I think we talked about it with Amy, but I think there is something, uh, there's, there's a responsibility, I think, on all of us within the vegan community to not only show people how to eat, but to um, help people understand their sort of, their, their real kind of why a little robin oh. as people probably gathered we're on a walk so uh we're walking around there's a lovely little robin who's having a, a little spot of lunch so we stopped to have a little look at him oh, or her. i don't know how you tell which i wouldn't have a clue the gender of a robin but let's move on from that <laughs> but yeah the, the, i wonder whether there's enough information to help people sort of discover a why beyond this burger's really nice and you don't have to miss out. Like you said about that, you know, whether there's documentaries or whether, you know, people talk enough about their environmental impacts or yeah. those kind of things. But especially, I suppose, the, the dietary stuff's probably the entry point. For most, I think, well, is it fair to say for most people? Well, I think it's the thing that you have to overcome first, don't you? Because you, you, you know, you know, unless you're, I don't think it's, it's the sort of thing you have to overcome first because you're you're doing it three times a day. It's not like you're, yeah. If you're buying clothes and you're trying to avoid leather and silk and wool and so on, you, you're not you're not doing that straight off the bat um, all the time. Well, <laughs> unless you've got some sort of shopping addiction, but you you're generally you're not. So the first thing you have to tackle is the diet. So I can see why it becomes a bit of a a focal point because it, it should be but it'd be good to see any sort of stats and information on the people that, are, that sign up like officially on the veganuary 
website. I think they've had a record year. Who, yeah, but how many of them actually continue and sort of, you know, and transition yeah. through and do it f- beyond January? Yeah. And it'd be good if they could, like, even capture, like, a little, I don't know, like a kind of end of January survey. Do you intend on carrying on? Yeah. How the folks you know? Do you, do, are you getting why? that sense that they're, they're going to carry on doing it? Um, well... One person sort of started off her own back, really. Didn't didn't use veganery for it. Um, just started looking into things after you know, having a few chats with me and watching a few documentaries. And first of all, they gave up beef as a family after watching Cowspiracy, or half of Cowspiracy, I think. <laughs> and then uh, then they went back, and then they sort of started, and then they've gone pretty much the whole family have gone vegan which is amazing but over a kind of um a prolonged period of time uh one of our friends also contacted me just before christmas and said we're going to do vegan if you got any hints and tips i haven't caught up with her since it'll be good to know how she's getting on so they've got a little girl um uh, she didn't obviously I don't she, she only asked me about recipes and food I'm not going to say oh by the way watch this this and this because I feel like that's coming down a bit too strong I want people to test it out and try it and obviously like you said the diet is the sort of the gateway into it and then if she is a bit more curious afterwards then but like I said there's no pointers for people to do a bit more research into it as a sort of a lifestyle choice. I, I think veganery do a good job in that in that sort of space, but I just just worry that their that organisation isn't necessarily the loudest, which is ironic, isn't necessarily the loudest voice for people. No, but they need to be. If they're not, then the fine. But at are. least maybe try and I don't know. They feel like there should be some sort of responsibility, but maybe I'm just being a bit too over optimistic about that or <laughs> expecting too much but if you're going to encourage it it's not it shouldn't just be seen as like a month's a month's diet it should be promoted in a way that it's a lifestyle choice and a lifestyle change and like you say give advice on how it can filter into other aspects of your life but that's not going to make them money is it really I suppose they're looking for short-term gain. No. In the month of January. Yeah. Everybody's overindulged at Christmas. It's the perfect time to... Yeah, it's like giving them another, you know, spot on the on the calendar, isn't it? It's like, you know, Christmas, January, Valentine's, Easter. Easter. You know, it's like, yeah. like it's just another promotional event. That's to, that does feel like what it's become a little bit. Yeah, but then I think you know we can help folks that we you know I'm mean, talking on a small level here, but we, we, we I think we can all it's, help. I mean, people I, yeah, we I'm know. literally talking about three people. It's not you know I don't know hundreds of people that are, I don't know hundreds of people. But I, I reckon don't every know. vegan knows three or four people that are non-vegan who and are. To be honest, yeah, if you widen space, that out, well, that's so. a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think the, the big thing that stops people sticking is? Like it, a lack of why or a well, lack think, of knowledge about the nutrition? or? Well, there's definitely that. I mean, even I 
I still have that. I feel like I don't. Don't know enough. Some folks walking some dogs. <laughs> some muddy spots out here. Probably hear it. Yeah. You were saying. Um. Oh. I think one element might be the fact that, like Amy said, the stuff, the food, and the products that are promoted for veganuary are not the cheapest. So a matter of price might put people off if that's all they're buying for that month. They're going to different supermarkets and finding the veganuary ranges because it is all predominantly meat substitutes, which can be more expensive, which is why they're not designed long term for everyday consumption. That might be a turning off point. Another thing is just maybe not necessarily finding all the alternatives of their favourite foods or trying them and not really liking them. Cheese and chocolate always come up because that's two people's, uh, two of you know most people's favourite foods. And also, like you say, I think people just view it as a diet, and they just they've, they've deprived themselves of their favourite stuff for a month. It's a post-Christmas detox. They can't wait to get back to their normal food and their normal sort of yeah. meals and and routines. I don't know. Um, how many people are inclined to look deeper into it without having more conversations with people and doing it over a prolonged period and not just viewing it as a month thing. I don't know, I'd like to know how many people go into it thinking this might be something I'll continue even for maybe a year maybe. That's three really good hurdles though to help overcome. So we've got price. Because uh, price and can easily be. Cost of living. Yeah. We've then got... Uh, you know choice and 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 still they're not being quite the substitutes for your favorites and then i think the big one that you touched upon at the end there's like uh not really finding the why beyond beyond the january you know not finding why you would want to do this beyond a health kick after december so it's starting with the price you know from your experience working your way into it you know what how how do you, what's your, your top tips for how you avoid that kind of you know, incredibly expensive weekly shop? Where do people go, do you think? Well, just really bear it down to the kind of main essentials. Most people still buy fruit and veg and you know, frozen veg, fresh veg. doesn't have to be, it's not expensive. I think you talked about, was it with Chris, about the fact that single peppers more expensive than packeted peppers got to think about plastic in it as well when you're buying but anyway this is a subject that's Most true though there is, there, there is those there is a price difference which is frustrating those oddities in within it aren't there yeah which i suppose is like a whole other subject but uh, yeah and one i think we'll come back to because i think there's an important point to be made there on because it's all linked to you know being more environmentally conscious yeah yeah um and just tins and grains they're not like everyone always talks about lentils and chickpeas and beans and i mean we still eat pasta pasta's not particularly expensive rice like brown rices um but when we are cupboard staples for example uh, all those things plus 
I mean, you know, baked beans, they're vegan. What's wrong with those? <laughs> baked beans on toast. It's a perfectly fine meal. Um, I guess it's what to do with those things. Because I think that's a great point, is that those things are not... True, um, yes. They're not expensive. You know, all those things that you've mentioned there. Yeah, you can fill a cover with them, but then still not know. But then I, you know, I'm not... I've never been very good at cooking, as you well know. Um, and what we talked about before, our sort of first favourite vegan meal was just a huge tray bake, roasted vegetables, um, with some couscous and some homemade pesto. And all that... This you know, cut the vegetables up, put them in a tray with some olive oil, salt and pepper, roast them for 45 minutes. It tastes incredible. And pesto is like four ingredients. And the only place I had to go to get that was Delicious Yella. I talk about her a lot with people that I know are trying out vegan. Yeah, well, and, and then you adapt that pesto recipe that you got from um, Michelle Kane and yes. uh, Tony Okamoto from the Friendly, from vegan, the cookbook. friendly vegan Cookbook. That was even, that's even better. That trumps Ella's. Using the walnuts. Um, Is it walnuts that are in there? Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, walnuts, nutritional yeast, salt, fresh basil. Yeah, yeah. And some rapeseed oil. You mentioned a couple there, and and also that you know, prior. You mentioned a couple of resources, but also prior to going vegan, it weren't necessarily into cooking. You know, we weren't. You know, together we weren't particularly. It was. Often, a, a culmination of <laughs> a culmination of packets of things. I mean, it wasn't necessarily hugely processed, but it was like a bag of salad yeah. with you know a protein in the form of chicken and, uh, or whatever. I mean, we did use to eat hummus. I mean, that was and, quite <laughs> vegan, obviously. And hummus, yeah. So, um, you know, like not necessarily in that. All those things together that might be a bit slightly odd, but <laughs> well, that'd be all right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in terms of learning to cook do you think that's kind of a, a, an absolute sort of must for people who want to continue into into veganism beyond January I think it does definitely help yeah and I think it would help you avoid heading down to the supermarket and just filling your trolley with a ton of convenience expensive junk food um, which you can just stick in you know stick in the microwave or the oven for 20 minutes I think I think just once you start realising that vegetables are the main and not a boring, boiled, yeah. kind of soggy side, and you realise that they actually have loads of taste and texture, um, and just actually spices. It sounds obvious, but I never used to, I never used to cook, so I didn't really know how to use spices or what to use them in. And once you learn a recipe, like a curry recipe that you find from Bosch is another one I love. Um, you can adapt it to what you've got in your cupboard or what vegetables you've got. It's great for using up vegetables that you've got in your fridge. And you can introduce loads of different spices that I've never even had in my cupboard before. So I think just trying to be a bit more open-minded, try a few things. I know time is a factor, especially with kids. And once Arthur stops napping, I don't know when I'm going to make anything. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. There's some, uh, some other little chaps out on a walk. Having a lovely We've time. hit a really muddy bit, so I'm <laughs> trying to keep my balance. Bit, <laughs> all a bit stuck in the mud. <clears throat> yeah. I'm going on a tangent a little bit, but I'm just basically saying... It's one thing, like you say, one food thing in your cupboards, but then you need to learn what to do with it. 
I think start with a couple of basic recipes like if you love curry find another curry recipe that takes the meat out and places it with chickpeas and vegetables if you can make a curry paste then you're away and just add whatever you want coconut milk is a huge one for me I absolutely love coconut milk that's not massively expensive add that to a curry and it's completely different so there's a there's an interesting point about time though I, remem yeah. I remember when we went vegan we would have said well, we haven't got time to cook so on and so both forth work full time both working full time etc we didn't have um little arthur at this point but we still you know we still you know came home from work and you're hungry and so on and so forth i think there's a couple of things in that that one is like not allowing yourself to get so hungry that you have to eat immediately and I'm, I'm i'm really guilty of that throughout the day i think if you if you end up in that position then you're not gonna you're not gonna want to cook and then um the other thing is like using that as a bit of family time i remember us talking about this at the, at the time when we went vegan that we um used to come home from work uh get as a couple of packets open to to eat food and and straight onto the sofa tv mm. iphones and all, all the rest of it and um didn't really see that as you know useful time to listen to music or a podcast or day with have, each other. have a discussion with each other or yeah you know there's actually i Exercise. think yeah i think times like um Time is, is definitely, you know, a, a concern for people. But at the same time, you always find time to, to do the things you want to do. you just got to try and incorporate it into your day. But like I say, we're going to have another challenge when Arthur stops napping, because that's when I cook. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but hopefully he'll be at the age where he can occupy himself a little bit better. Or you can go down the road that other people go down, like, who, who don't necessarily do that everyday cooking. And that's, you know, the meal prepping stuff, yeah, which we've never been very... Yeah, and the batch cooking, which we're shocking at doing. Yeah. Everyone says, we just need to batch cook um, and stick it in the freezer. But I'm like... It's just good advice, generally, not, I mean, whether you're vegan or not. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> it's good advice that we don't tend to follow, but it is, it is good advice. But, yeah, so learning to cook, I think, I think you've established there. It doesn't have to be pretty, amazing. Pretty I've only crucial. got, like, probably a, what, like a catalogue of about five different dishes <laughs> that I know how to do, which you're probably bored of, but that I rotate on, like, a, you know, sort of weekly basis. Um, I'd like to try something a bit more adventurous eventually, but at the moment, it's just sort of adapting and chucking in new spices and herbs to something and it makes it yeah. taste totally different. Or just trying like an element of another recipe, not the whole thing, if it's a bit too intimidating. Um, like I did that with dumplings the other day, which I was like, I've never made dumplings before in my life. <laughs> and they were super easy. So, and add that with something that you make all the time. And then once you start trying new things, you just build up a whole, like, repertoire of nice, easy, relatively fast meals. And the good thing about obviously cooking vegan is you don't have to defrost anything. You don't have to make sure it's fully defrosted before you cook it. You don't have to cook it at a certain temperature. You don't have to cook it for hours and hours and hours. It is a time-saving way to eat because yeah, that's true, yeah. there's nothing really that takes longer... 
you eat something about you know half an hour in the in the oven. You eat something slightly raw, the whole family doesn't go down for a exactly. <laughs> if you eat a raw carrot, nothing's going to happen. <laughs> no, just been a bit crunchy. If you eat crunchy. a raw prawn or a raw bit of chicken, you're all done for. Could be bad times, yeah. So there's that as well. It's just it's far less risky to, in that respect. So you that also gives you a bit more confidence in cooking it. That's one of the reasons why I was never that confident in cooking. Because you felt like you had to have meat in every every meal. Yeah, yeah. I, I was never confident in cooking meat because I didn't know if I was cooking it correctly. Well, it feels like a faff, doesn't it? I mean, like... And it's expensive. Well, that's <laughs> another thing, Meat is more expensive yeah. than vegetables and chickpeas, which you can easily bulk out a really good main meal with. That's that's the element people need to see. Not you need to see past the veganery, you know, products that are on the shelves just to make companies money. They're lovely, they're tasty, they're great. But they're a treat, and they're a once in a, you know, kind of a once, twice a week thing. But yeah, yeah. Once you, like, get properly into it, and you actually just start realising that if you don't buy meat and fish, you can find foods just, or healthier for you, with all the same nutrients and proteins in them that you need, at a, you know, a tiny fraction of the price... And they'll go a lot further and you just don't risk, you know, hurting yourself <laughs> in the process no, or making anybody poorly. I think as well, like in, in normal times, and I remember we did this early on, in, in normal times when the lockdown's not on, although, you know, you can still support your local restaurants through Deliveroo and all the rest of it. But if um, I think you can get real inspiration from just trying somebody else's food you know i remember us going to deliciously ella's restaurant early on uh because we were a bit we were a bit in that space weren't we like what what do you eat eat? (laughs) like we were kind of like we'd got the why we we sort of morally were there yeah we know why we wanted to do it but then how do we make this tasty (laughs) other than eating cereal every day and eating cereal and hummus yeah and i think that gave real inspiration because it was like this is incredibly tasty but it seems very very straightforward it's very simple like you could what Which I way love we about it is oh yeah red probably. I think we're following the red trail okay that's what I've been following okay um you could you could see all the ingredients you could see yeah. that it's been there's like a salad made of all these beautiful grains and quinoas and you know um, dominantly whole foods yes and you could see the vegetables that she'd used and and then obviously the the, the, the you know the the hot drinks and stuff and the shakes that she'd used and the Right with the porridges, just with you know a bit of extra peanut butter and some extra seeds and things on it. You could just, oh, sorry, you fell over. You could just see how simple it was, but also it just tasted amazing. Yeah, it was a real eye opener. Definitely, definitely. Because it didn't, it it doesn't cost a lot. You could you could tell that it wouldn't have cost an awful lot to make, really. Well, vegetables, I feel the same about, and um, and biffs actually, but more on the sort of treat end of the scale. Yeah. Sort of, it definitely gives inspiration. I think, make you think this is actually really, really doable. Forest Green Rovers was another one. You know, going oh, to eat wow. there. I just couldn't believe that we could have that sort of a meal at a football club. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so definitely. Good. What was the second one we had? It was. Uh, the, the choice over some of the treat stuff, some of the stuff you're used to, you know, you're used to the like way... Like alternative, 
additives, you mean? A certain thing tastes. I think you, you talked about some friends who... Chocolate and you cheese. Know, it's, it's chocolate and cheese and it's the specific brand of chocolate that they like and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Advice on that kind of stuff? Um, just... Other than get new tastes? <laughs> get, just try everything. And I know that might be a dangerous thing to say because obviously chocolate and cheese aren't... Still, even in, in, you know, in vegan terms, they're still not the healthiest of foods but um just just try everything there's so many options out there and but also try and look for the more obscure brands because obviously you've got the galaxies now and there's talk of Cadbury's bringing out a vegan chocolate and but I've had a friend who I haven't even tried the galaxy yet but a friend has and wasn't that impressed and yet we've tried vegan brands who we'd never heard of before you're absolutely incredible chocolate. So I think just places like maybe Ethical Superstore and yeah. just some places that you might necessarily think to shop, just have a look at some other websites um, and just go down like the sort of the, well, Sainsbury's are one, it's got like a well-being aisle now. Just have a little bit of a, a look down there because you might find some stuff that you wouldn't necessarily find amongst all the well-known brands, which actually tastes better. I think certainly when it comes to like chocolate and we'll talk about this when we get into the kind of the why but I think once you start getting into the the ethics the why you're doing it you do start to look at the other impacts um, that your products have I think you talked about it a bit with the plastic stuff and so on well yeah because a lot of the lesser known more obscure brands of vegan chocolate is a bit more fair trade Maybe. Well, there's a huge human cost, I think, with cocoa farming around the world, and I think you need to be really mindful that, um, vegan or non-vegan, that you're not funding something that you fundamentally would disagree with if you if you looked into it. That's the next step, isn't it? That's the next level. That's going beyond veganery with it. That's what kind of I'm, I mean about the transitioning beyond the 31st of January. If you're looking at doing it short term, you just go and pick up a bar of vegan galaxy and help hope that will kind of see you through, I think. Yeah, and feel <laughs> smug about your your sort of, you know, your ethical choice. But I think, you know, it's not without um, without its problems, you know, buying into those kind of companies, the Nestles and so on. Yeah. The Marses, the Galaxies, all these all these guys are not necessarily uh, as ethical as you, you might think, you know, you might be saving the lives of animals, but in fact putting other other humans around the world who are being exploited, you might well be uh, contributing to that, as well as the environmental impact of some of those companies. So I think that's sound advice is kind of look into some of the smaller brands, some of the, the direct trade, where's it come from? Are you happy with the, the ethics behind it and, um, and, and so on? We can do more of that. We don't do enough of that ourselves. Oh, yeah, everyone can. Everyone I think, falls into the trap of... I think, uh, I think Chris and I talked about that last week, that if you, if you think you've, you know, because you're vegan, it's like it's done. You know, <laughs> ethically, you're like, you're sound. You've got Completed all the... Completed it. Yeah, you've got all the good karma points, I think. That's a bit of a dangerous game. And massively untrue and false because there's no, no one can ever be 
There's no such no. thing as a perfect vegan. There's always going to be areas that you can strive to be more considerate and conscious about. And there's always more research out there, more information to gain yeah. and gather. Yeah. Um, I admit I'm... <clears throat> I don't... I don't... I'm not curious enough. And I'd like to be better at sort of finding out more about not just obviously the movement but just like you say the sources of a lot of things that I eat and be a conscious about the clothes that I buy and the cosmetics that I wear which I'm getting better at it is getting but like I say it's, it's quite easy just to pick up like a a brand off the shelf and it says a vegan on it and I was like that's brilliant but that's not the end of the road there that doesn't no. mean that you've done everything that you can um, there are hundreds of other vegan companies out there that can provide something just as good a product but with maybe less of a human or environmental cost behind them and try and support you know small I think as well yeah, yeah, where, where, where we can you know people with where the who have you know set up that business from the ground up and have um, they've meticulously sought out yeah suppliers and products which have got a you know a clean or cleaner history yeah and background to them so it's yeah absolutely human food sort of jumped into my mind then about you know a small business that's really trying to think through what it's doing there's lots out there you know mentioned a few biffs and vegivores and so on but um you know people who care passionately about the the ethics of what they're doing and, and look into every aspect of it whether it's packaging or transport or yeah. where they source things from i think that's you know that's also part of your sort of journey of discovery um Definitely. it's ongoing rather than just looking at the, the word vegan. But at the same point, I think it, you, you mentioned it sort of back then, there is so much, and I think it's dangerous to sort of start throwing stones at others. Mm. Uh, and you do see this sometimes. Thank you. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, it's, it's dangerous to start, you know, casting aspersions about somebody else making poor choices or whatever when you know those in glass houses kind of thing I, I think it if we if we uncovered anybody's the full extent of everybody's impact who lives in western capitalist society we've all got a, a negative impact mm. um, there's no doubt I, I think so be kind to yourself and and others I think in that space would be my sort of addition to that is there's so yeah. much to learn it's you're not gonna you're not gonna know it all overnight no and if you think learning. you do you definitely don't yeah yeah um yeah which i suppose leads us on to your third point which was the the why behind it and like where where people would go to sort of top up their their why if you like and understand more about why going vegan is um you know such a a great choice for so many reasons obviously first and foremost the 
the animals and, and not unnecessarily exploiting and killing them, but also the, the planetary impact and the human health stuff, I think. Yeah. Actually, I've, I've, stopped, I've stopped talking about that as much because <laughs> um, I think it's... I think you can be really unhealthy being vegan you and you can be really unhealthy being omnivorous. I think that's that's kind of just a, up to you how you want to do it. But the first two are the big, the most important whys. But where would you go? What was your steer to people? Well, it's always been, even like in... I always mention Cowspiracy because I think it's just such a hard-hitting documentary and it covers everything. It covers all those sort of elements. But it does focus quite heavily on environmental impact which is a huge reason why I wanted to go down this road after watching that so I always have people to watch that and that has actually raised a lot of questions and asked people have been you know come back to me after watching it with better intentions going forward Uh, the vegan society I think their website generally for information about nutrition is useful and also just finding like a definition of veganism which is what we always go back to in a lot of times and on a lot of occasions we're trying to get our point across um, and they go through all the different nutrients and where you can find them in in vegan foods and in all the foods that are readily available everywhere and cheap and accessible um, I mean, you said not about health, but Forks Over Knives was also very hard-hitting. But Yeah, I, I do think it has an impact. I mean, I'm not... It does. I think just to see what it can it, do, but, yeah. but it's... It is maybe... Not an element. I mean, the... The animal side, I think there are some maybe more difficult documentaries to watch, which I haven't actually watched yet, which focus more on the animal suffering side. I don't know if people necessarily need to watch those. I don't know. I think that, like you said before, everybody has different things that affect them. I don't think they need... Everybody doesn't need to be shocked into it. Yeah. So I I'm just out where to go. Although I, I do think it's important that people understand, you know, especially if they're if they they've not come across this before, that they do understand what is being done to animals. Yeah. On a day-to-day basis and normalised and. Um, and in their name and that they're paying for and if they saw it they they would probably well they wouldn't want to be in the room certainly and they they probably I'd imagine couldn't do it themselves and if they saw it happening you know in the street would stop it you know they'd they'd report it as animal abuse but yet they pay for it because it's behind closed doors sort of thing so I think it's although I hear your point though I think you know how how somebody is feeling 
uh, those things are very very difficult to watch mm-hmm. and so i think you have to you know you can you can appreciate something is going on intellectually not want to pay for it and not have to watch it all the time yeah that's um, my point really you which i think is good. in front of you yeah but because it's harrowing you know it's it's it really is hmm. um i suppose my point is just it's it's harrowing but it's it's but it, you can't close your eyes to it at the same time you, like, you need to understand it's going on so that you yeah. can fight against it <laughs> yeah in whatever way you're you're choosing to do that so yeah some good documentary recommendations well you've probably watched more than i have to be quite honest and podcasts as well <laughs> yeah you can go you can do some yeah. good podcasts yeah i think recommendations uh, as well. there's lots out there there's so much information there's almost almost that's the challenge i think there is so much in the way of um of information out there it's difficult to know where to start um, you don't want to overwhelm people when even within the world of podcasting um and especially at the moment there's like there's so many you were saying this morning how saturated it is a little bit. It's saturated, and the, and there's lots of division, you know, within the mm. within the community. Especially at the moment, there's a lot of division in the community. There's a whole debate about which words are, you know, effective and should be used and shouldn't be used. And mm. there's some there's a particularly well-known influencer who I won't give credence to by mentioning. Um, who who's you know bringing up imagery of of the holocaust and so on and uh, you know there's there's people who you can find who will advocate for that use of that word and there's people myself included who who don't think that that is um a, an effective form of activism and actually think it's quite damaging uh, especially to you know people who've got multi-generational trauma over those those you know horrible events that have gone on i think there are other ways to um to explain the scale of um the atrocities that that are committed uh you know in animal agriculture on a daily basis without necessarily evoking such harmful uh damaging imagery that's so evocative Mm. um but I guess my point there is that there are lots of people saying lots of things in the vegan community. Yeah, it can be a bit... And I would just encourage everybody to sort of, just like they would with their food choices and their you know, their clothing choices and all the rest of it, choose your your sources of information wisely too um, and, and sort of follow nobody blindly. Um, and And be comfortable that some things you disagree with and some things you agree with. I think mm. the debate is what we're missing these days. The discussion is what we're missing. It's too, you know, an Instagram story doesn't doesn't do any sort of debate justice. It's just a bang. I'm annoyed about this, or I think this is great, or yeah, I don't know. It's just I think that's why I've always liked the podcast form because it's a you know, depending on your form of podcast, it's a conversation. Yeah. Um, and there is nuance, and I've, I accept that people will disagree with this, and some people will agree with it, and all the rest of it. But um, 
that's yeah. healthy. I think that's healthy. I think that's that's good. We should arrive at a place together that is better, hopefully, by being willing to accept other people's views. I mean, I know personally, like, throughout all of this, this particular, like, instance, that's this controversy that's going on at the moment, I've learned a huge amount, you know, through, you know, the, the things people have shared and, and some things that people have shared that are contrary to each other, but I've seen two sides of a debate and an argument as a result of it. And I've got an opinion on which way I've come down, but you know, there's, there's got to be there's got to be discussion, hmm. um, and, I, and, I'm, and I think it's lacking. I don't know about you. <laughs> Sorry, I went on one then. No, it's fine. Well, that's, I think it needed to be hands over to you because you're more you're in that world. You're you listen to podcasts on a daily basis. Host your own. Spoken to how many different guests now? Well, 60 66 plus? episodes. Some of them I've had the same guests and some of them are live, so I've cheated a bit, but 66 episodes, yeah. Exactly. So you've spoken to tens of different people from all areas of veganism. So with lots of different opinions and viewpoints and backgrounds and reasons for becoming vegan. So I think you're best place to... You know, offer a more balanced view on it, really. Yeah. And I do. I, I do sort of. I keep going back to this point that Carol J. Adams made about saviorism, though. And I do. Th- yeah. I do think there is a. I don't know. I would. I would encourage people if they're going to donate money to somebody. Um. I don't know it sounds blatantly obvious most people would would think like this but be comfortable that you you want you know what that money's going towards and you and you're comfortable with the the use of it and it aligns with your ethics um because yeah. there's a lot of activists quote unquote vegan influencers asking for donations Mm. and that's fine if you're comfortable with what they're going to use that money for for. Um, and it aligns with your ethics and it's ultimately there to uh, you know for the good of animals for the good of the planet for the good of other people you know if that money's doing good in the world great if that money's being used to fund a bitcoin venture cryptocurrency venture or whatever it was that was the one that was attached to this recent controversy. And I don't know one way or the other whether that is or isn't. It's just sort of stuff you see. Then, I don't know. Personally, I wouldn't give my money there. But that's that's up to different folks. Well, I would give my money to, you know, Tower Hill Stables. Sea Shepherd. You know, Sea Shepherd. Hunt Sabs, I said it last week. But I think, you know, people who you can you can see and feel a very real impact yeah. Of what they're doing. And their passion. Talking to Sea Shepherd it. actually, I think I think you highlighted this to me. Peter Hammerstead on um Perfect Planet. On Perfect Planet, the new Attenborough series, which is that's amazing to see. Yeah. Him being able to you know, do his thing and talk so eloquently as he does about the plight of our on marine life and Yeah, on a global platform. It's not our marine life, sorry. 
just That's a very human-centric thing to say. <laughs> Our marine life. Um, yeah, to... Uh, it's amazing to see that sort of... I think there would have been a time, and it wouldn't have been that long ago, where people, the producers of that show, wouldn't have been comfortable giving platform to... I mean, God knows why, but wouldn't be comfortable giving platform to somebody like or an organization like sea shepherd um, so that's great to see i think and there are lots of positives like that going on any other advice i feel like i've gone off on one and lost you no not at all <laughs> <laughs> sorry I, I felt like i needed to talk about that a little bit yeah absolutely um yeah um we've covered price and time well obviously well i'm not going to probably go back over just trying to do it long term with the toddler <laughs> but because i've talked about that enough previously um it does add a whole new dimension though for families it really does, doesn't it because you just it's not just yourselves you've got to think about but to be honest it adds the most important dimension for me he is the reason i'm doing this yeah. To try and give him a more compassionate future and actually, a, you know, a living, breathing planet to live on and his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren to live on. So I want, I want, you know, to, to be, I want him to see that we're doing as much as we can, even if he just perhaps decides he doesn't want to do this himself, when yeah. he's capable of making that decision. I hope he realises why we're doing it. I know we decided to do it before he came along, but he's just given me an even bigger reason to continue. Yeah. Um, and there obviously are elements which might prove difficult the older he gets um, when he has to potentially explain this to his own friends without us there. But like we've said before, as long as we have the information... He definitely knows his own mind already, so that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think if anything, I'll probably worry about him being too forthright. <laughs> I don't know. There's no such thing. I don't no. think. I think he'd be a better podcast host than me already. He's strong viewed. He is. Yeah. Especially when it comes to food. <laughs> But yeah, that's, it's almost a whole different episode, like with with kids and and um, and that kind of stuff. But I think the same rules apply in a way that the things you talked about earlier. You know, doing your research, yeah. learning how to how to cook affordably for a family, mm-hmm. integrating that um, that cooking into your family time. You know, making it a an event. You know, baking with Arthur. As anybody Arthur else would do, yeah, vegan or not. You yeah, still, yeah, exactly. You still bake and want your kids to try and get involved. He's maybe a little bit too small yet to do the <laughs> the meal side. And the baking, he yeah. does tend to get bored after about five minutes of stirring. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he still likes the end product. At still, least. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, the, you know, there's the means the to an end for him. decorating things and all the rest of it. It's just, you know, him feeling like he's involved. Yeah. Is is important. And it's really nice time together. Exactly. You know. I, f- I think I've been watching too much Toddler Club now. I feel like oh, I'm trying to give toddler advice. Toddler Club. For people that's who don't know, idea. that's a a BBC show. 
which sort of is aimed at toddlers but also gives parents some advice on the same <laughs> but it's not necessarily is it nothing to do with veganism but it's just no <laughs> it does uh it's basically how to look after manage toddlers your toddler. in lockdown to be honest it's very good very good <laughs> anyway that's <laughs> that's aside from the point we should probably leave it there i think we've got we've been chatting for about an hour now have we yeah, I think so. It's um. Managed to get lost as well. I hope this comes out okay. This and we get some of the nice background noise because it's rather beautiful. It's a stunning place. Um. Yeah, and in a weird way, it'd be nice if people weren't here. <laughs> I was gonna say that. Oh. I was gonna say. I was talking to the people listening. Oh, sorry. I the people that are walking around. <laughs> I'm not a horrible person. I, just, I think lockdowns make me. No, I meant it would be nice if people went, uh, were, you know, were doing their own version of this walk. Just whilst, somewhere else. Whilst they were listening. Um, oh, I see. I didn't mean. <laughs> go away. You just seem intent on getting rid of it. I just become a little bit antisocial uh, in the last nine months. But yeah, we'll we'll leave it there. Thanks very okay. much for your time. As soon as we hit stop record, I'm just going to carry on talking to you. Okay, that'd be nice. <laughs> Otherwise it'd be a bit weird. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.